Hey guys, welcome to Real Live Talk. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. And for this episode, I sat down with my friend Aaron Hall. Aaron and I go way back. We originally met at Bible College, but Aaron currently serves in the Global Prayer Room at IHOP. No, not the Pancake Restaurant, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, the 24-7 prayer room there. He serves on the Night Watch. And uh, if you're not familiar with what that means, that means that he's part of the crew that serves from midnight until 6 a.m. Just part of this incredible team that's just perpetuating 24-7 worship and prayer. And uh, Aaron is a worship leader. He's a brilliant musician. He's a singer. He's done missions work in both the Philippines and Mexico. And uh, just an all-around awesome guy. I really believe you're going to get a lot, a lot, a lot out of this conversation. If this conversation blesses you, adds any value to your day, if you haven't done so already, if you would consider subscribing to Real Live Talk, uh, if you would consider even sharing this episode with someone that you think could benefit from listening to it as well. And if you're listening somewhere like on Apple Podcasts where it allows you to leave a review, leaving a review would truly make my day. And uh, anyway, really appreciate any of that, all of that. <laughs> so thanks so much again for being here. Now let's go ahead and jump into this episode with Aaron Hall. All right, Aaron, what's happening, buddy? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. How's it going? Awesome. Awesome, man. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate <be> here. you. <laughs> Appreciate you doing this with me, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, everybody, welcome to Real Live Talk. This is episode number 18, and I'm here with Aaron Hall. And uh, normally, well, typically, not always, but these tend to go out earlier on during the day. The reason that we're coming at this at 6 p.m. Central Time is because Aaron uh, is actually on staff on the Night Watch at IHOP KC, or in other words, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City in the Global Prayer Room. So uh, he's on the Night Watch. Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about what that means? And uh, well, anyway, that's the reason why we're doing this early, because this is kind of like I don't know. I normally do these around noon or so <laughs> on Mondays and Thursdays, but noon for me and most regular people out there is kind of like the middle of the night for you. So, um, so yeah, man, just tell us a little bit about like the night watch and the global prayer room and what you do there. Yeah. Um, so the global prayer room is, um, a 24 seven live stream of music and prayer and, so part of doing prayer and worship music 24 seven is they need people to sing and play at night. And so uh, they have a section of worship teams that uh, work from 12 AM to 6 AM and <laughs> bass players, drummers, singers, um, and other intercessors in the room who committed to being there uh, to pray. And so it's kind of a cool team. And we, <laughs> um, yeah, we sleep a, a cool team of crazy people. Yeah. Like, like, let's just, let's just, uh, let's unpack that a little bit because for, I, I think it's absolutely amazing, um, that you along with so many people and, and many, you know, uh, many, many more people throughout the years that have, you know, really, uh, dedicated their lives, first of all, to the house of prayer, which as you mentioned, it's this 24 seven, a prayer movement that began what 20 something years ago right i mean it's yeah. been perpetual I mean, prayer and worship going on yeah. at this point for how for <laughs> um 
think it's like 25 years or something is that yeah exaggerating maybe i I don't know but i mean the movement to do night and day prayer has been going on i mean really probably for thousands of years there's a lot of churches in history (laughs) that have been you know wanting to kind of do the tabernacle of david style worship and prayer um and it looked different, obviously, like in medieval times than it does today. Sure. But yeah, it's kind of in that same spirit and vein of, you know, the Lord is worthy of uh, night and day prayer, night and day worship. And mm. um, so it's really neat, like being able to be a part of kind of like a modern movement. But yeah, I think I think IHOP has been like 24-7 for about 20 years. I think we had our 20th wow. year anniversary like last year. So probably 21 years okay. technically. Awesome. Um, but I think they've been like doing night and day prayer probably longer than that, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes been, sense. You know, I think, yeah, in, like 1999. So. Yeah. And so obviously what that means is that in order to have 24 seven prayer, and this is real, <laughs> this is real. This is 24 seven for real. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Unless something's changed, because um, I've been, uh, I used to be a lot more connected with that world than I am right now. And uh, we can get into that a little bit too as we go forward here. But uh, it would be Christmas Day. There's people perpetuating 24 7 prayer in the house of prayer. Yeah. Like it just keeps, it just keeps going without stopping. And so that means that there have to be people like you that have, really completely readjusted the whole fabric of their lives and how they do life and how they sleep and shop and (laughs) and uh, build relationships with people and all that kind of stuff uh, in order to be awake during the time of day that most people are typically resting and uh so yeah man what what has that been like just all of that well i mean it's it's interesting because i think you know most of my life I've been kind of a night owl. And so being awake late at night has never been a problem. In <laughs> fact, it's been, well, it has been a problem, but in the other it sense that like, you know, I wouldn't be able to like go to sleep or I would be waking up late, you know, uh, for school okay. or for work. But yeah, I, I think, I think of it like a third shift, you know, there are people all over the world who work third shift and, um, whether it's a factory or a call center yeah. or, yeah. you know, different jobs, different stores are open 24 seven. And so, um, yeah, it just makes sense that there, uh, there ought to be people who are worshiping the Lord and providing, um, yeah, kind of a resource for people to worship and pray, um, mm. in the middle of the night, you know, and what's kind of nice about it too, is live streaming it people from all over the world can tune in. So, you know, like, while I'm singing at 4am tomorrow, um, you know, there will be people tuning in from maybe Taiwan, which is where uh, friends of mine actually just moved to from the house of prayer. um, Wow, just for a season. And then, you know, so it's kind of, it's neat thinking that, you know, our prime time or whatever is also the prime time of a lot of people in other countries. So it's just, yeah, it's kind of neat seeing the global connection, which is why they call it the global prayer room, but, um, and probably for other reasons too, but it's, it is kind of a global network hub for like prayer and worship. I feel like for different people, um, from different cultures, languages. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's an amazing thing right there. What you just said kind of blew my mind because I, I don't know, I've never really thought about it in that way. But yeah, like people on the other side of the world, when you're there, uh, you know, involved in this uh, prayer movement throughout the, the night, you know, midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., that there's people in other parts of the world that are like they're just getting up for work. And so they're starting their day with you guys. And there's other people that it's kind of like they can actually tune in and let it become part of their regular prayer time, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, evening, whatever. And obviously they could do that at any time, you know, throughout the day yeah. with whoever's on there. And so, um, yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. And then so there's also this movement, right, that has taken place where there's other prayer rooms all around the world. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, some of them um, are connected to the International House of Prayer and the, the Global Prayer Room um, here in Kansas City that I'm a part of. But there are prayer movements happening simultaneously from different streams in the church, different uh, yeah. prayer movements that we don't know of. But it's it's interesting because it seems like that's picked up a lot in the last, you know, 34 years where, you know, different churches are focusing more on prayer and uh, specifically prayer with music, too. So it's it's really neat um, being a part of that, but also kind of humbling because it's like this is so much bigger than any of us. And we all get to be kind of a part of a, a team of people pursuing this and um you know and it's like there's so many facets to it it's a pretty vast like topic like prayer worship and then yeah like, national community so it's a very like so many ways you know to think about it but it's also pretty simple you know we're just there to minister to the lord um because he's worthy of worship and um yeah to bless the lord and that's that's it you know try, yeah so i try to like kind of keep it simplified because at times it can feel a little overwhelming thinking mm. about like i don't know people tuning in or people um you know even in the room there sometimes it's like easy to get distracted and thinking about like i wonder like who's in the room right now i wonder what they're thinking about this prayer time or i'm wondering if you know like uh, one of my friends who's in taiwan who was um, my team leader for a while um, you know, I wonder if they're tuning in. I wonder, it's just like, you can start thinking too much or sure. me, I think sure. way too much <laughs> about everything. So I, I have to kind of just be like, you know, I'm just here to, to love the Lord and to sing yeah. the night and, you know, try to keep it really simple and straightforward. <laughs> yeah, man. That's yeah. so good. He's cause, just cause, just cause he's worthy and he deserves it. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, can you get into just maybe a little bit of the of the heart behind 24-7 worship in general? Um, and yeah, just a little bit of like the heart behind the prayer. You mentioned the Tabernacle of David, which is basically the where the scriptural model for this comes from, how, you know, David um, recruited all of these <laughs> worship leaders and singers to just perpetuate this 24 seven, uh, worship, you know, in, in different times throughout, um, you know, the history there in Israel. And so, yeah, man, if you would just, uh, just get into maybe a little bit about the, just the heart behind what this, you know, prayer movement is all about. Yeah. I mean, it's like, as you're saying with the, the tabernacle of David, um, 
yeah, when when David starts building the temple and he, he kind of like recruits thousands of people to build this like incredible <laughs> yeah. building and then, you know, recruits thousands of people to staff this building. And like, I think there's 4,000 singers um, yeah. yep. and musicians. So it was like very large number of people who yeah. staffed it day and night and to offer, you know, just songs of worship and adoration and and it's tough right because like there are a lot of scriptures about um prayer through and you know talking to god hearing from god uh, encountering god um uh, and a lot of them specifically from the psalms are about going to the tabernacle um like psalms 27 is a big scripture in, in our community one thing have i desired um, yeah it's the one thing I seek to dwell, you know, in the house of the Lord forever. And just thinking about like what that means is way bigger, especially knowing that, you know, we as a church and even individually are now like a tabernacle or a dwelling place for the Lord. Mm. Um, yeah. It's not necessarily the room itself, right? Like the, the prayer room itself or a specific church building. Um but in a, in a way, it kind of is, too, because it's like it's a place for many people to gather together to meet with the Lord. Yes. So in a sense, the Lord is gathering there in that place where two or three are gathered, you know. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I guess I think the heart behind it is really to um, to look to the future for the Lord to, f like, fully realize his dream of being one um, with his people. And, wow. and so like, I, you know, a, a lot of uh, our, our sets, uh, we sing from um, some of the hymns in Revelation and, you know, the scene of the sea of glass with people from every nation, tribe and tongue, um, you know, singing worthy is the lamb um, to receive all honor and praise and, you know, to make yeah. power because he's, you know, he was slain <laughs> yeah, and has redeemed yeah. us to God. So like these like really beautiful um, passages in scripture that I, I, I think sometimes I missed growing up and, mm. and I grew up in a church that like did talk about, you know, Jesus returning and, and talked about um, communing with God and being a tabernacle um, for God's spirit. But I think being um, in a community that focuses on, no, this is actually moving things and shifting things mm. in our own lives, but also in the world to prepare uh, for the Lord's return. Um, for, yeah. Uh, kind of that full realization, that longing wow. of all creation to to see uh, people walking out who they are in Christ. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, yeah it's unto, it's, it's big. <laughs> it's like a yeah. big thing. But yeah. <laughs> trying to like sum it up like the heart behind it is is really just to uh to love the lord um with everything and to mm. kind of invite him in a deeper way to move us and to prepare us for yeah his return yeah yeah it's so good so because like it's the house of prayer and a lot of the focus is obviously prayer and intercession and you know there's a lot of focus on um, you know, justice and, you know, just, just really, I mean, at, at times intense intercession, at times really intense intercession for God to move throughout the earth and, 
you know, you guys will maybe you'll highlight a particular nation or section of the world or some, you know, there's sessions where they'll focus on the city there. They'll pray for the school system, just like really specific prayer. But what's really cool is is how it always goes back and forth between prayer and worship, because as you're saying, Jesus is the focus and worship is really the the backbone or the foundation of everything that goes on there, because it's all about the fact, like you said, uh, that he's worthy, right? Yeah. It's all about highlighting who he is. And so focusing in on some of these passages of scripture that you're talking about and worshiping through these passages that really just unfold the beauty of who God is and his mm-hmm. glory and his holiness and and sort of like that being the the kindling for the fire, you know, that sort of being the the foundational point of where this prayer is coming from because if it was just let's pray for 24 hours seven days a week until the end of time (laughs) then like that could get really old i think really quickly but going back and forth between worship and prayer where it's always like okay we're in this intense intercession and it's awesome and we're praying for the fire of god and the power of god and for people to be released from captivity and all this but then we're right back into this place of just focusing in on who God is. So in other words, we never lose the greatness and the just bigness and the awesomeness of who God is mm-hmm. in the midst of the things that we're praying for. So again, it really becomes that 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 fire point of, you know, this is what is fueling our prayer. You know, this is what is fueling our passion to see these things happen. It's because it's all coming from the heart of God. And so we focus in on him, you know. And uh, so, yeah, man, I remember. So, like, you and I have this connection that I share with very few people. Uh, So I so I met you at Bible college. Right. I met you at Elam. And then from there, we uh, you know, my wife and I, we we graduated. We were in the 07 class. And in uh, 2008 is when we got married. And then we went and we started our ministry in Mexico. And the one of the very first things that I did in ministry, at least in full-time ministry, was to work in a house of prayer in Mexico. And the idea with this house of prayer, it was the Casa de Oración um, in Mexico. And we were, it was very much modeled after IHOP, the, well, we tried anyway, <laughs> the structure of IHOP in terms of the in, the intercession sessions and then the worship with the word sessions and, you know, time where the we would spend focusing on prayer, on intercession, and then other times where we would focus on just the worship aspect and meditating on the word of God and uh, bringing out truth and promises from God's word and contemplating his beauty and holiness and all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was some of that influence. And so Anyway, you came down and uh, you spent, uh, I think the other day you told me you spent about three months down there in Mexico while we were down there. And so that's just a cool connection that we have. Like I said, that I share with very few people like, you know, Tracy uh, was was there for a little while. Uh, well, she was there for an extended period of time. Um, David Hofline came down for a little bit and, and he yeah. was there. Israel was there. And of course, my wife. But uh, I think that's it, man. And And so just that connection of like, I knew you from Bible college and then now we're in another country. And it was cool for me, you know, being obviously an American and being in another nation and far from, you know, how I grew up and my culture and still 
like struggling through learning this language mm -hmm. called Spanish that uh, <laughs> it took me a while to really wrap my mind around. But uh, anyway, just when you were there, it, it was just awesome, man. We had some good times. Um, yeah. And uh, did you have any inkling, like any idea? Well, I don't imagine you had any idea, but like being there and sort of having that opportunity to, um, you know, because you were there serving in the house of prayer with us and yeah. uh, helping us lead worship and playing your violin and, you know, singing and all of that and learning Spanish and, and just doing all that. And now all these, you know, years later, you're you're there and that's where God has you right now for this season mm -hmm. of your life, serving in the global prayer room, which was such a big big part of of what we did back then constantly watching the live streams you know constantly paying attention to what ihop is doing and then you know sort of getting ideas and stuff like that for what we were doing in mexico um did you have any idea even just being there in that place that like one day you'd end up where you are now no <laughs> i mean i i think the idea of prayer and like and music with prayer was something I liked the idea of it, but I never, I don't know. I just remember thinking of it as a place where I would meet people and play music with friends. <laughs> and, yeah, man. And like at, at the time, I really, I mean, I was just coming um, out of my internship from Elam. So I graduated in 2008, like a year after you, right? And then it was funny because I, I don't think I knew that you were in Mexico until I got there. Yeah, I, think I just I knew Israel was there and um, he was in my class. And and so I was just thinking um, and Joel Catalan, he was also in, mm, in my class. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, these guys are in Morelia and I like want to go visit them. So I just made a point to go visit and ended up being like, well, I have the time. I'm not working. Might as well <laughs> stay here. Yeah. And yeah, so it was cool because I, you know, enjoyed playing music. Um, with the worship team, uh, it was at Vida Abundante, right? And like yeah. that whole church community was pretty big. So it was cool to meet a lot of different people and you were doing youth ministry as well. And so it was cool to kind of be like, oh, Duke's here <laughs> and, yeah. and he's doing youth ministry. And I think we even went, I remember going on like a youth retreat at one point, um, to like this really yeah, beautiful like, um, area out in the countryside and like there was baptisms and, um, yeah, it was just, it was such a, I don't know, a pivotal time for me, I think, mm. because I was really learning what I enjoyed and like wanted to do in life and um, doing music with uh, uh, Enrique Lucatero. Yeah. He, he wrote some really beautiful songs around that time um, and they really like gripped my heart. And so mm. it was interesting because like, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but the Lord definitely was putting some seeds in my heart to uh, to worship the Lord in Spanish um, and to have a heart uh, for the Latino community. And also just, yeah, I don't know. It, it was, it just felt like a fun time. Honestly, I, I wasn't yeah. really thinking about like the implications for later other than like, I would love to live there. I still would love to live there. Um, and maybe will one day again. I don't know. But I, I just really, uh, yeah, <laughs> just was having fun is how I saw it. And so it's, it is really weird that like years later, I think probably what would it be like four or five years later, ended up in Kansas City at the House of Prayer. 
Yeah, and what's even crazier is that okay, so you uh you told me uh last time we talked that like the way that you got invited to come and start serving in the in the house of prayer was to basically lead worship in Spanish, right? It was yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, <laughs> go ahead and tell and tell me that that story again. Yeah. Okay, so basically I moved to Kansas City with the idea of like uh maybe starting a band with some friends, uh, our, our buddy Matt Lapresta, who also went to uh, Elam. And yeah. So him and his wife moved down around the same time. And like, we were talking about, you know, maybe starting to write music. And I was thinking just starting a new life in the Midwest, which felt really distant at the time. And now it's like, I live here. But yeah, I, I just wanted to like move here and do something different with my life. Ended up doing an internship at Hope City, which is a smaller house of prayer. Mm. um connected to the global prayer room and and it was an internship option with ihop at the time and gotcha. it still is i believe but yeah I, I just hopped into that internship uh to do inner city ministry and to kind of get the lay of the land in kansas city and like i think it was about halfway through the internship um someone just grabbed me out of a class and was like hey they don't have a worship leader for this spanish set <laughs> you speak Spanish, right? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, and you led worship before, right? And I was like, yeah. They're like, would you be able to like lead worship for this prayer meeting? And so I kind of was like, well, I guess I could like I try it, you know? And I kind of wanted to like see what it would be like. And it's funny because mm -hmm. I think <laughs> most of the songs I knew were actually uh, Kike songs. So I like used his <laughs> songs uh, for worship. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, from... I, led worship for that set for years after that um wow and it was man. such a beautiful prayer meeting there because it's like you know in a poor neighborhood and um yeah it's a very diverse neighborhood too and so it was cool to be able to pray for the latino community uh locally here in kansas city mm -hmm. but also praying for uh you know the latino community um worldwide so it was it was really a cool prayer meeting um and yeah what a trip though because i i really like didn't see the setup i just was like no, yeah I'm here in Kansas City <laughs> and they want me to lead worship yeah and i ended up be, being a huge part of my ministry uh for a long time here that's awesome and wasn't it also like hey the service is starting right now like we need yeah. you to come and lead worship in spanish right now <laughs> yeah no i didn't have time to like get ready really i just yeah they basically like pulled me out of class I think I had like 20 minutes to like figure out what I was going to do, meet some people who were there. And it was pretty rough. It was definitely like, <laughs> I think it was a pretty rough set. I can imagine. I don't really remember much from it, but it, yeah, it was a good start still. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful because it, you know, I don't know. It's just weird. Cause like that whole time in my life, I still wasn't even thinking of doing ministry full time um, mm. or, doing yeah. it for a long time at least and, and yeah so it was kind of cool because the lord kind of hooked me into continuing in the house of prayer through that set yeah yeah that's so cool even even that like this, for some people they just they know you know they they know god tells them god shows them like this is this is what you're going to be doing and they're excited about it and then for other people like God kind of has to like rope you into it. And, <laughs> and then like, once you're, like you said, like the setup, like he kind of set you up for it, but once you're in it, 
then you start to realize like he starts to reveal like that there's passion there for it that maybe you didn't even you know realize was there before um it's just cool how he knows what we all need and and how and when we need it and all of that you know i uh like i never thought i never i never had an idea of like like yeah i'm gonna be a i want to minister in mexico like that was never mm -hmm. on my radar at all and um but i did have an affinity for like learning spanish like in in high school i, I took it for more years than i needed to like i kept sticking with it i kept taking it because i wanted to learn and i still didn't know a whole lot when i got there but i did have some like foundational understanding of how the language worked which was helpful yeah. But I noticed that when you came down, like you picked up the language really fast, like you were there for three months. And in that period of time, I don't know how long I had been there before that. But I think when by the time you got through, like you probably knew as much Spanish as I did. <laughs> um, and I had been there for a while before that. I remember getting a text message from you one day in Mexico, of just like, I don't know, we I think you were coming over and you were asking, should I bring something or whatever? But it was like yeah. the way that you phrased it in the message. I just remember it like, like, dude, like he speaks better Spanish than I do. Like, what, <laughs> what is this? And uh, it just it, it took me a little while. But uh, but yeah, you just had this sort of, I don't know, this ability to, to pick it up quickly. What do you know what that was or why that was? Yeah, like you, I, I spent a lot of time in high school studying Spanish, like more, I took more classes than was required. And then mm -hmm. I think one of them was like a college class actually in high school. Um, awesome. And so that was part of it. And then I don't, I don't know, maybe just speaking and like, I kind of tried to throw myself into it. I remember actually arguing with Israel sometimes because <laughs> he would like want me to speak to him in English and I would be like, no, speak to me in Spanish. That's so good. We would, like right go there. back and forth a lot between yeah. the two languages. And um, I remember like going to a couple birthday parties where like no one was speaking English. And that was helpful because it kind of forced me to have conversations in Spanish. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like really wanted to pick up the language and and there's something i don't know if you relate to this but like there's something really cool like maybe emotionally uh, especially in worship or in like singing to the lord where when you're singing in a different language it like connects to you differently or in like a fresh way because the words aren't as familiar to you so it's mm. it's not as like it's almost like you're creating a new pathway in your mind um with a new language for connecting to god and it's really it like kind of shakes you up because you're like confirming like oh this wow. is real like the lord is real in spanish too <laughs> you know yeah man and, uh, well it was definitely yeah. different uh <laughs> it was definitely different and i really do i love where i love singing in spanish i love worship songs in spanish i i mean english too i love i love both i think as far as like regular worship leading i probably love singing or leading worship in spanish maybe yeah maybe more maybe more than in english at least as much but maybe more but the thing that was challenging for me that i always wished when we were doing like a worship with the word set or something like that where we were reading through scripture and then singing through the you know singing through it and then bringing out prophetic and spontaneous songs and stuff like that i always wish that i could do it in english because at the time my Spanish wasn't um, 
well at the end it was better obviously but like when we started in the house of prayer doing these sets my spanish wasn't as good as as it as it is now and so it was kind of like it was challenging it was challenging to find the words and i found myself like just singing the same stuff over and over again you know what i mean <laughs> uh but so there were times with that when it was like the singing through stuff and having to kind of like invent your own song in the moment that was challenging that I, I wished I could have been doing that in English. And there were times early in the morning, man, because our first set in the morning that I would lead worship for was from six to 8 a.m. Oh, wow. And so sometimes people would come in and then they would leave. And sometimes it would just be like, it'd be me, my wife would be singing and we'd have a drummer. Uh, sometimes we'd have somebody on bass or guitar. Uh, very rarely we'd have somebody on the keys. So it was a very small set, like me on, you, you know, guitar with like a drummer. And, and so it would be very basic. Uh, and there were times where the uh, one or two people that were in there would leave. And so we'd have maybe 10, 15 minutes where it was just empty and it was just us. And so I would just look at my wife and then we would just start singing in, in English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we would just we would just switch it up. And then as soon as somebody mm -hmm. came back in, we'd go, Eres hermoso Dios, and just go back yeah. into Spanish. But <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. I yeah, with spontaneous singing, even in English, it's hard to think of phrases sometimes, or it feels like I'm singing the same phrase over and over again. <laughs> so <laughs> um but yeah, I think even now I do <laughs> you see that? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> okay. Um, we're uh we have a request to sing <laughs> yeah oh, i'm pretty man. sure she's talking to you so uh okay no, keep, keep going I mean, <laughs> there's no way to be sure really right but um man i'm trying to think of what what's a good song that um when you said eres hermoso i was thinking of the um john thurlow song um jesus you're beautiful yeah Which, man. i don't even know if i really sang that in spanish but um other than like a, a few just probably that chorus um <laughs> okay yeah. so we got a new comment here oh, we go she it. said both of you guys uh, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, well i'll let you pick the song because i don't i don't know i don't think i want to subject our listeners to that the singing to, yeah, to me to me singing <laughs> you singing is would be fine I'm down for that. I actually thought about um, asking you to to bring your your violin and play for a few minutes. Oh, what were you doing? That would have been cool. We'll have to do that next time. Yeah, I next loved time. that man. I I loved it so much when we did some sessions in the house of prayer with you on violin. Like, oh, such a beautiful sound. And um, oh man, yeah, just it it adds such a such a different dynamic. Um, I think just to to worship and to the flow and and to, you know all of that and so yeah. um now in the house of prayer do you mainly sing um you do some violin playing but it's mainly singing or how does that work? uh so right now i'm only singing okay for the most part i mean there are times where i might sub for uh an acoustic guitar player um every now and then a worship leader will ask if i could play violin for a set and i, I might say yes um or, you know, maybe there's a couple other string players at Nightwatch, actually. So sometimes we try to, like, get together and, like, do a set where there's a few strings, which is really fun. Um, 
Yeah, Alicia Detterman, who's a worship leader at Nightwatch, really like amazing musician. And she leads from keys, but she also plays violin. And a lot of people don't know that. So it's really fun when um, her and another worship leader, Angela Yang, when we're all able to like play together and do kind of like a trio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we haven't done that in a That's while. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that was the, that was the fun part too, is like um, being able to kind of switch it up and collaborate with different teams. And uh, we had some, uh, we had some, you know, pretty awesome musicians that we could pull from like in, in Mexico, like at the, at the church there that we could, you know, pull from and just ask to, Hey, could you help me out with my set here? Um, and, uh, sometimes, man, like there were days where it was, um, man, I remember being in there from like six to eight leading worship. And then someone comes in for the eight o'clock session and then they're like, Oh, so-and-so can't make it. Can you just keep going? It's like, what? (laughs) So it goes from a two hour set to an impromptu. Now it's a four hour set, just like straight of, you know, playing and singing and 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 leading worship and it gets uh gets tiring man for sure um but i love one of the things that i've always loved since since we um you know really started following you know what was going on in the in the global prayer room what is just like the level of excellence that goes into what they do um or what you guys do like the the seamless like transitions between worship teams it it, obviously it's been going on for a long time so there's been a lot of practice but um you know like the depth of of quality of worship that comes out in in the music even in songs you know spontaneous songs and then all the music that comes out and has come out of there um that's just you know having an impact all around the world just like the level of of commitment, the level of excellence that goes into everything that's done there is, um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's amazing. The people that come from so many different places globally and then, um, across, you know, um, North America, it's pretty, pretty cool to see different musicians from all over the place come together and like, yeah. No, it's, it's a very, I mean, yeah, especially doing it for 20 years, um, like they do have things like transitions and, you know, they got really great sound system and amazing sound techs. Um, they're like a huge part of what we do, you know, cause it's like without having a good sound tech, you can't really like, you know, yeah. make it onto the web stream. Yeah, sounding okay. sure. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and there are, you know, times where, you know, things can sound a little bit rough or it's not, it's not like perfection of sound is the idea anyway, but it, it is really cool to see the, that spirit of excellence that you're talking about and Mm -hmm. and to be a part of that. I've learned a lot and been challenged a lot too. So it's, it's really, it's been really cool to be there. (laughs) Really good for me. That's awesome. Well, I'm trying to get away from asking these pandemic questions because oh, I feel yeah. like <laughs> like everyone I talk to. So what was it like in the pandemic? This pro- like I'm getting yeah. tired of that question. But uh, but I am legitimately curious in this case, because uh, with the pandemic, with the lockdown and everything, like obviously this is a big thing. You guys were already I mean, IHOP has been live streaming around the world for 
years. And so all of that was already set up. But um, but what what was that like but with all of these people, all of these teams and people that come in from all around the world regularly just to be in the house of prayer, like just to be there for a day or for a few days or for a week? Um, you know, I mean, even mission teams coming in and just like all, all these different things that that happen. It's it's not there, there's a lot more going on there and a lot more people passing through there than I think you would realize by just watching it on like you know, just watching the live stream. Um, and so there's so much activity going on all the time. I'm just wondering, like, what was the adjustment like for you guys uh, during the, the lockdown and everything? Yeah, it was an adjustment. They actually, they, they really, uh, especially in the beginning, uh, did like the utmost to really follow, you know, local guidelines, CDC guidelines to really keep everyone safe. Um, and so in the prayer room, usually it's open, like pretty much 24 seven, sometimes they might close to the public to, to clean or do, you know, different updates. Um, but yeah, it's the, the prayer is going on 24 seven, mm. you know, with musicians and everything. So it's, uh, yeah, they basically restricted the amount of people that could be in the room, um, to 10 people. So that okay. meant we had to reduce the amount of people on stage. And so right. <laughs> we would have a prayer leader, a sound tech, and seven or eight people on stage. Um, I guess it would be seven people normally because we would have a section leader in the room as well. So, um, and then there are like little side rooms that kind of like go around yeah, um, on like the edge of the prayer room. And so, uh, full-time staff um, who wanted to be there it became kind of like you're not required to come in but you know we want you on mm. the live stream at least praying with us um, they you know or if you were there before your set whatever you would go into yeah. the side room and you know pray in that side room with maybe one other person but they didn't want more than like two people in wow the room and then you know we we're all wearing masks and there's hand sanitizer everywhere it's funny all of the like rss which is like a in-ear monitor system yeah that you get to kind of control the volume and kind of do your own mix of the instruments mm -hmm. that uh some people before the pandemic happened would like clean that off with like a little like disinfectant rag or whatever and clean off the microphone and the stand and everything. And I always used to think, because I've never been like a germaphobic guy, even though yeah. I like studied, you know, some of the, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the science behind why germs do what they do at Elam, actually. But yeah, I, I like never did that. And I always was like, nah, that's not important. And then during the <laughs> pandemic, we all had to do that. So we would like go out on the stage, clean off the RSS and kind of disinfect everything um before we would like start singing or start yeah playing. yeah so it was yeah. intense. it was a big shift in like how we did it and they they had to adjust everything and it was difficult and hard to like not be around people but you know also really cool that we were able to continue during yeah. that time because so many people were not able to continue different aspects of ministry like at hope city um yeah. They close to the public which for them that's a they still gave out food but it was just hard because it was a really good meeting place for so many people mm. in the community i got gotcha. you so it just 
it really did affect, um, you know, our community in a big way, but, you know, thank God that we were able to keep it going and keep, yeah. we would have done it probably, you know, um, in, in one way or another, we even talked for a while about like, you know, the possibility of like, what if we, I think they call it a bubble, right? Where you like have like a group of people who are like, yeah, we're just not going to leave this bubble and like, yeah, yeah, like out the, together. The, and like if one of us did that, that right? Thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, I remember having a couple conversations. Like, is that going to happen with the prayer room or like, you know, prayer room staff? Or, and so, um, yeah, it's it's a that's a whole big topic though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Yeah, I, I can imagine like um being in that place well i remember you you were not in mexico with us at the time when we had the like the outbreak of the h1n1 were you there during that no i wasn't i think i remember when that happened though yeah yeah so it was um i well i don't know i don't even really know how bad it was here because i wasn't here i was in mexico at the time yeah that might have been like my first year down there so that that might have been before you were there Okay. If if I had to guess. But anyway, yeah, man. So it was like uh the H1N1 was a was a big deal in, in Mexico. Um and we were we had to shut down. We 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 couldn't um have church. I think it was only for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, something like that. But it was there were all these like restrictions placed on, you know you could be you couldn't be indoors unless it was like ventilated in a certain way we had to wear the masks all the time it felt crazy but i remember having a meeting back then where we were talking about how like this is kind of this could be like a preparation moment for like any kind of crazy stuff that could go on in the future um with like having to figure out how to how to innovate and do things differently and how to still get the word out to people and and how to still minister to people and you know it was just um we had to figure stuff out for then but then it was also just this sort of almost like a it felt anyway like a training ground for like who knows you know what's going to happen in the future and what we're going to have to do and um yeah but it was just it was crazy um i don't remember why I was talking about that? Well, you were talking about yeah, <laughs> particularly, like, but... <laughs> pandemic and like having to shift how you do ministry and how you yes yeah yeah um, for whatever's happening happening currently to keep people safe and you know yeah it's a it's a whole and of course there could be more changes you know in the future or other uh, you know hopefully no more pandemics for a while. Yeah, hopefully you know? not. <laughs> like, the, you hopefully know, who knows not. what could happen in the future and just being ready to uh, to alter how we do ministry, I think, and be flexible, you know. Is yeah, man. Important. Yeah, and so, so it sounds like you guys operated in the same way that a lot of the churches operated mm-hmm. in terms of just a reduced team that goes in and, and either records the thing. Like, you know, a lot of churches did it that way where they recorded live. Other churches did it where it was, uh, you know, a live stream that was happening as they were doing it. Not recorded live, excuse me, where they recorded and then broadcast it, you know, as a live yeah. stream, but a pre-recorded stream. Um, and then others did it, you know, where it was a, a live stream happening right then in the moment. But it's just crazy that you guys, I mean, for most churches that had to do that, it was, you know, Sunday morning and then maybe on a Wednesday night or something like that. 
but you guys doing it constantly around the clock yeah. as always just keeping the fire burning man it's just yeah. um it's awesome yeah and so, in a way that actually made it easier for us because we already had all of the equipment we'd already been right. live streaming right uh been live streaming services for years so it was a pretty i you know in some ways i think because there's so many people involved that was the hard part mm -hmm. kind of managing everybody and like yeah getting everybody to where they're supposed to be and doing what they're supposed to do but I think with as, as far as like live streaming and like that wasn't a learning curve. It was just like, all right, well, here we go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been like a learning, a learning process. And I think we're still learning from, um, you know, everything and in Missouri, like cases have spiked really high. Um, and just because it, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, certain places haven't taken it as seriously or whatever. So it's like, mm. It's, it's really sad to see like uh yeah friends who are doctors who are like overwhelmed with cases now wow um and and like frustrated because you know so many people are coming in uh with a serious infection um and so it's just it is mm. kind of a it's been a really rough time and i think too uh, just the fear of not knowing certain things or not knowing if information is good or bad and, and all of that can really like cause people to despair. And so, well, yeah, yeah, I think trying to like maintain hope and um, like that focus on the Lord being a source of strength and yeah, him being our source was really important during that time. And so I'm really grateful that I was serving at the house of prayer during that time. It, it opened my eyes to a lot of different things, um, which we, we can't get into all of it, but yeah, but especially just like the the need to um, to hear the Lord clearly and to mm. to have a place of comfort. So I, I, I hope you know that like being able to tune into a twenty four seven live stream, and I believe probably for a lot of people that was um, a comforting and and um, encouraging thing when you're stuck at home and can't go to church, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, what, what an incredible resource that, I mean, I think that maybe a lot of people aren't even aware of, um, you know, it's so simple. IHOPKC.org, right? Mm -hmm. IHOPKC.org. And right on the homepage is just like, watch, uh, watch live. I think it says, or yeah. something like that. Um, it's on YouTube too. So like if <clears throat> yeah. you're on YouTube a lot, they do the, the live stream there 24 seven as well. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's an incredible resource like to, to tap into for, I mean, any, literally any moment of the day, <laughs> if you just want to get into worship and you need, uh, you know, you need a prompting or you need, you know, you just feel like you need some, some help getting there. You're not feeling it or whatever. Like, Hey, there are people <laughs> right now worshiping, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's so cool. The accessibility of what's there and even the accessibility, like I remember how accessible, you know, Mike Bickle's teachings and like a lot of different teachings of IHOP were even, even back then, like how accessible it was just to go and just, Hey, download all of my stuff. And yeah, just, yeah. I remember you doing you and, um, Denise did a lot of translation work at the time right like you translated yeah, right. a lot well of... denise did <laughs> <laughs> i just remember like well you were a part of it though because i remember you were like i don't know 
you were both working on it and organizing files and like all this information. I think at one point you handed me, and at the yeah. time it like was not important to me, unfortunately. I just remember thinking, this is important, but I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think you handed me <laughs> Thanks like, for this. Big, sorry. <laughs> but it, I wish I would have like really invested time into that. I just remember being impressed with how much you guys were doing in terms of taking so, so much teaching and um, like the Harp and Bull model and all of that, which if people don't know, like Harp and Bull just is a reference to Revelation about, you know, worship before God in the throne room and the bowls of prayers of the yes. saints that gets poured out. So kind of the idea of like filling up those, uh, you know, those bowls of uh, prayer um, right now. <laughs> and yeah. How we pray and worship. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of like a model for how, how we do worship and prayer in the prayer room. But yeah, you, both of you dove into that and uh, were translating and really seeking to understand it. And, and I, I remember being really impressed with that. And like, it's cool remembering that now. Also, a memory <laughs> that came up because you were talking about that text message. Uh-huh. Uh, we spent Thanksgiving together in Mexico. Yeah. And yeah, my, man. my brother was there. He like flew down for the holiday. That's right. And so it's oh, crazy. And Israel was there and Hoel was yeah. there. And we, we just hung out mm. and ate tons of food. It's like a Friendsgiving, man. Yeah. Friendsgiving. It was really Was that in my apartment or that is that in your apartment? that was in my apartment, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you guys hosted. I I'm still very grateful for that. That was such a that's like a really meaningful <laughs> moment in my life being there with all of you. So that I don't know. That's so that cool. Was man. A really sweet memory that came up. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. How cool is that? Like, yeah, because yeah, just all being together. Cause I remember, I remember that being an issue for me was Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. um, in Mexico, because I was like, Oh, like, I love Thanksgiving. Like, I like Thanksgiving more than Christmas. Um, is Thanksgiving is like my, my favorite holiday. And so, you know, being in another country and like the first, the first Thanksgiving that we were there for the first year, I just remember kind of being a little bit bummed out. Cause I'm like, eh can't really get a turkey can't like like it was it was just trickier so we did something like we celebrated it with um you know with my mother and father-in-law my brother-in-law um but uh but yeah so it was really cool that year when when you were there it was probably that second thanksgiving that i was there is what i'm thinking is probably the season when you were down there mm -hmm. but um yeah man i just it was it was great i'm glad you brought that up it was a good yeah. <laughs> good memory good times with friends and everybody brought something and mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I remember, oh, that's what that was. I remember, tell me this is the same event. I believe I borrowed one of the big flat screen TVs from the church to set up in my apartment so we could watch the football games because the yeah. Giants were actually playing that particular yes. Thanksgiving, uh, which doesn't usually happen. <clears throat> I was super pumped. It was a good day. That was a really pretty good. sure they lost. If, I don't remember, but uh, but anyway, <laughs> maybe they won. I don't remember. I don't remember, but it feels like they lost. Most of my memories of are are of them losing because they do it so much. Unfortunately, <laughs> are you a, are you a Bills fan or? I I am, and I'm not. It's kind of funny. Both my parents are from the Buffalo area, and so in a way, I am hopeful. I've been excited like the last couple of years that the, you know they've been doing a lot better. Good stuff's um, coming, man. Yeah. So I mean, great stuff has already happened. It's been awesome. Yeah. Watching them, but and I'm not like a huge football fan in general. So for me, it's like 
it's not something that I like, um, you know, keeping updates on, but being Do you like the real football people, better? What's that? Do you like real football better? I like real football better. Yeah. You do? Uh-huh. I mean, that's what I played in high school and I enjoy, yeah. you know, I haven't really played much and yeah, but I, it's cool hearing like people here in Kansas city and they've won, you know, a couple of Super yeah. Bowls or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it's kind of cool hearing them talk about the Bills as like, you know, a worthy opponent at times. You know, even though like, you know, we got kind of crushed by <laughs> Kansas City this last year. But it just, it's still kind of cool hearing like people talk about Buffalo and the Bills. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for but sure. but again, like I, yeah, I'm not. I wish I get my, my brother is super into like following sports he uh he teaches tennis now he's a tennis instructor wow and his awesome. uh his favorite tennis player novak Djokovic, just won yeah. uh wimbledon it was like 20th big victory so he's like like ranked as like one of the best tennis players yeah in the world. man so that was pretty cool to see recently yeah yeah oh that's awesome <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I probably like both, probably about equally fo- American football and real football. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I played real football. I never played um, American football. Okay. Um, well, we we called it soccer, of course. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> but yeah. So gonna ask you something else do you miss tacos man like do you miss tacos from mexico so i know you're i know you're a vegan now yeah i do but i miss the experience um and it's interesting because i I think even when i was in mexico i ate more of a vegetarian diet even though i wasn't vegetarian i just remember like kind of leaning into that uh, well they've got good vegetables and good fruit in mexico yeah. like it's really easy to find good stuff without yeah. spending a lot those, of money those, on it spachos, like those like yeah those, man like, fruit salad. denise misses those so much oh i i like dream about those sometimes um and like tortas ahogados like the ones that they would just like soak a torta in like some sort of sauce yeah those man were incredible so there's so many meals that i missed there um <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, there's actually a really cool um, spot. It's just called the Corner Mexican Restaurant, uh, not too far from the Prairie Room here in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And they have really great vegan tacos. Really? Yeah, they just like found some really good, um, you know, like soy replacements and things like that. And they even use like mushrooms and a flour of some sort to like, I don't know, they have some really creative um mexican food and it's not super expensive so i love that's going awesome. there and i might go there tonight now because <laughs> <laughs> now i'm not gonna be able to get it out of my head yeah i love meat and i'm sorry but somebody one time fixed me a vegan burger mm-hmm. and it was amazing dude like i don't even know i was at somebody's house and i was on an insurance appointment like i was selling insurance to these people and they asked me if i wanted to eat with them and they, I don't know, I didn't see what she did. I don't know what she did in the kitchen. So I don't know. It might have come out of a box. I don't even know. But it was amazing. <laughs> and it was supposedly a vegan burger. And uh, yeah. it was absolutely delicious. I was like, you know what? If I could eat like this all the time, I might be able to to do this. But 
but yeah it was uh it was yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> there's definitely good stuff out there for sure oh yeah there's especially today there's like yeah all sorts of new options coming out every day and it's it's kind of fun to like try different things but yeah i mean i i don't miss it i used to kind of miss certain meats like salami <laughs> like oh yeah the spice stuff but yeah now it's like i i love it i feel great on it and yeah, yeah. but it's it's like a, a fun thing to see all the new like i think the impossible burger and beyond burger are like the two like really well-known ones right now but i kind of i kind of just like the traditional like black bean burgers and that kind okay of stuff. well i've heard that the impossible burger burger is like terrible for you though is that true i mean yes and no it's like <laughs> it's a i mean and people have of course a myriad of opinions on it but uh -huh. yeah i think it does actually have like a similar form of iron um that can kind of cause problems in your bloodstream and it's pretty high in like saturated okay. fat um so cholesterol usually only comes from animal uh fat and so right i don't think it has cholesterol in it but it does have a pretty high amount of saturated fat um and it, it's processed pretty heavily and there's uh heme iron which is also found in animal meat um mm -hmm. yeah it like it's a form of iron that we can absorb pretty readily, but there's some studies that show it can cause problems in the bloodstream anyway. So it's yeah. like not really might, might be like slightly better than eating a normal Burger King Whopper. You know what I mean? Right, it's like, right, it's right. not necessarily like yeah. healthy, but it's also. So it's there though. Like for somebody that want just wants to grab something and they want to grab some fast food, but they, you know, they're on a, either they're vegan or they're on a vegan diet or whatever. And mm -hmm. So, but yeah, probably just like anything else, like you don't want to have a Whopper every day of your life. You don't exactly. want to have an Impossible <laughs> Burger either, but like yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, hey, man, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about the meaning of. So if if we look at you on um, on Facebook, your name doesn't come up as Aaron Hall. Your name comes up as uh, tell me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Damulira Aaron is how you have it. And I'm just curious about um, what. The, what's what's behind that yeah so say um, it you say it because i probably just I, said it wrong i say it dom Ulira. um okay. i think dom Ulira is probably a fine pronunciation too it's a ugandan name and in 2013 i went with a friend of mine jesse sprinkle and this other oh, musician cool. from uh, rochester uh, kurt johnson and we went to record uh different songwriters um in kampala and hmm. it was really Wow. incredible experience and actually a little plug hopefully soon it's been almost eight years and we haven't released this project yet um we've released wow. like uh kind of done a couple pre-release options and you know did a a printing of cds for our friends in uganda who worked on the project um to kind of like share with everybody because it's just been, it had been so long but we're still looking for a way to release it and so that people will hear it and uh, hopefully have an impact uh, for that community. Um, there's so many like beautiful styles of hip hop and kind of like a fusion of reggae and like um, just East African rhythms that are, it's mm. just like really yeah. cool music is, is coming out of East Africa right now. So yeah, uh, the name came, we went to visit some friends at a smaller, um, smaller town outside of Kampala and 
we just really connected with his family. Uh, Jesse had been friends with them for years. Mm. And, um, and that tribe, and I think a lot of tribes in uh, Uganda, there are kind of family names that just kind of get passed on kind of like, you know, you might have, you know, Frank Jr., Frank Sr., yeah. you know, <laughs> Frank Jr. the third. Um, it's not exactly like that, but basically like there are certain like names that kind of get passed on. And, and Dom, Dom Alira was a family name um, for the pastor and his family. And so mm. uh, one of my friends was named Dom Alira Patrick. And so they wanted to give me the same name. So oh, that's so cool. Dom Alira Aaron. And so um, you're part of the family. It's yeah. awesome. So it, that was really cool. And I just, I wanted to kind of keep that connection to my friends there. So I, I use that as a Facebook name. So cool, man. I yeah. love it. Very cool. Um, yeah, man. Well, do you have any idea on the, like, uh, any, any inkling as to like a release date for, for the project? Um, we haven't set a firm date yet, but our hope is before the end of the year. <laughs> awesome. I think we were hoping to release it this summer. Um, like we were hoping to release it earlier, like even last year, but just with the pandemic and all three of us do other different forms of full-time music. And so, um, it's been busy and kind of crazy. And then, yeah, it's a long story, but, uh, yeah. yes, hopefully before the end of the year and maybe look in the fall, um, the project's called paradise Uganda. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram mm. or like us on Facebook, we're, um, on both of those platforms and uh, paradiseuganda.org uh, is our website. So, but yeah, hopefully I'm hoping like maybe by September even we'll have at least a song or a single out um, for people to listen to. And yeah, that'd be really, that would be really great. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, did I spell paradise wrong just now? Paradise, you got... Nope. You got it. Okay. It just looks yep. just, I think doesn't... the S E U that yeah words me it looks funny but it yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> so paradiseuganda.org that sounds amazing man i would i would love it if um maybe just like keep me posted um yeah. on that after after it gets released i'd love to have you back on and maybe talk a little bit about about that i would i would love that if you're down for that i would love that that would be that'd be really great um, so cool you know, it'd be funny if you just said like, no, right now, if you're just like, <laughs> you're just like, like, no, I really, this is a terrible no, experience. Sorry. and I don't ever want to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, no, I don't I think love that. I'm not going to have the time. I'm, I'm, I'm busy yeah. that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we haven't scheduled anything yet though. Yeah, no, I'll no, be busy. I'm busy. That day. <laughs> I'm, busy. I'm for sure busy that day. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of, um, for our friend who asked about uh, singing a song before we go, I was trying to think like what line. Well, is... it could be one of Kike's songs. That's what I was thinking because that was that was that was Kike's mother right there. Yep. Um, uh, but I you're think... on your own if you want to sing. I, I, okay. I apologize. I could. Um, I'll beatbox for you if you want. But <laughs> uh... <laughs> my um... guitar, my guitar is is right there. I could grab it, but would that work? Like we could try it. No. Oh, I don't want to like, but it might be weird too with like the delay. I don't know. It might be a delay. I'm not sure. I've never actually done like a done music with people through the internet before, which I should have at some point. But uh, anyway, I, I was thinking, yeah, um, I just probably like that. one of his well-known songs. Um, 
what is it called? What's the name of it? Um, oh, she just said, love you tons. Oh, here we go. This um, one's nice too. Thank you so much for these, for these, uh, messages and comments. Yeah. We love you so much. Thank you. Uh, no hay un placer que sea mayor, un deleite superior que habitar en tu morada, mi Dios. No hay un placer que sea mayor, un deleite superior que habitar en tu morada, mi Dios. Te amo, Cristo. It kind of continues from there, but that that so song, um, yeah, it's beautiful, it's beautiful words. Always, yeah, just hit me right in the heart. And I, mm. I sang the song. I don't know. Sometimes every time we would do a Spanish set at Hope City, just because, um, yeah, it was. It didn't get old. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, so good. I miss. I, I, yeah, I miss it. Well, I still. Every once in a while, I get to lead worship in Spanish these days, but it's it's rare. We haven't done, we haven't been on a mission trip um, or anything like that back to oh, Mexico yeah. in a couple of years. It's been it's been a little while. We were supposed to go this this last year, but then once everything shut down, we just you know we canceled our plans for it because we didn't know how long it was going to last and yeah. whatever. It turned out it was a good thing we did because we wouldn't have been able to to go. Mexico got hit really really hard. Um, we know so many of our friends and people that we know um you know are connected to the churches that we're connected to um man so many um yeah too many people man passed away or got really really sick and um a lot of pastors a lot of pastors in mexico uh passed away this past oh. year um and so but anyway um oh. it's uh yeah, it's heavy, but yeah. Um, Were you guys going um, pretty frequently to Mexico before pandemic hit? For a little while, we were going one just once a year. Okay. Not not more often than that. We'd go once a year for just like a couple weeks, and um, yeah, typically like we would spend a lot of time in the Mexico City area, or we'd be we actually have a church campus in Texcoco, uh, which is cool. just about forty minutes or so outside of Mexico City. And uh, so we started going down there and, you know, spending a few days with uh, with our with our church, with our pastors down there. And yeah, like the first the first time we went, I think we took a team of like 13 um, people or so. Like two, Well, two years we took sort of a couple years. We took sort of a larger team. I think one time we went, there were only about like six of us. And uh, it, both of them were awesome for different reasons. Like it's cool when you go with a lot of people for obvious reasons but it was kind of nice going with just like a handful of people as well and then you have an opportunity like with those that you're there with to kind of connect a little bit more deeply and obviously logistically it's easier to travel so we got to do a little bit more and more like impromptu stuff where like we had a free afternoon we were able to like oh let's go check out these pyramids and just like do different things like that that you know if you've got 13 
people, you've got to get a bus or you've, you know, you've got to figure out different things. And uh, so anyway, it was just, uh, you know, it was fun. Yeah. Really, really great experiences. And uh, but yeah, it's we were uh, prior to all this, we were in Mexico, at least for like a long weekend at some, you know, for some kind of conference or ministry trip or something like that. But it's been a while since we've been able to, uh, or yeah, since we've done anything like that. So I'm kind of like itching to go somewhere, you know, Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I really, I love traveling and I haven't been back to Mexico. I don't know. I think it's been at least four or five years. Mm -hmm. So it's been, I don't know, I would really love to go and maybe just travel for a while <laughs> in Mexico. Yeah, um, man. Yeah. Well, uh, so you've got a set coming up at 4 a.m., right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. 4 a.m. Central Time. It's it's crazy because sometimes we'll have the midnight set, 2 a.m. set or 4 a.m. set. So okay. It's one of those three that I usually have. Um, but yeah, this last weekend, I actually flipped my schedule. Um, so I'm taking like an online, um, class and it's just too much to do, <laughs> like to yeah. try to like sleep in the middle of everything. And I, I don't know. So I was just like, I'm going to take a few nights off and just, you know, kind of flip my schedule. But now, yeah, tonight I'm flipping my schedule back. So yeah, tune in I'm falling asleep. That's, <laughs> That's <laughs> why. Yep. Well, well, yeah. So, um, if you're listening to this, watching this, uh, if you happen to be awake at four o'clock in the morning, check out, go to ihopkc.org, um, click on the link to watch it now or, or go to YouTube. You can uh, just YouTube it, ihopkc, it, you know, it should come up. Um, and uh, yeah, check out that 4 a.m. set with with Aaron Hall and the team there. Um, yeah, man. So, well, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate you. Thanks so yeah. much for your time. Thanks for being here, doing this with me. Um, and uh, yeah, just let yeah, me know how those tacos are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. And no, thanks for inviting me. It's been really good to catch up and I'm looking forward to next time. Hopefully not too far out. <laughs> yeah, man, keep me posted. I definitely want to get you back on um, either either somewhere around even if it's before or at or i said after just so that we could actually maybe promote it a little bit more but uh but yeah i'd love to get you back on and talk about uh, more exclusively like that project that you guys yeah. worked on um in uganda that just sounds amazing and uh yeah man i'd love to do that with you so so yeah just let me know keep me posted we'll do that so thanks again man have a good night and um you don't have to disconnect just yet but i'm gonna i'm gonna shut this down so Okay. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. All right. That's the end of the episode. But thank you again so much for taking the time to be here. If this podcast episode blessed you or added any kind of value to your day, if you would consider subscribing to Real Live Talk, that would really mean the world to me. Also, if you would leave a review, particularly if you're listening to this somewhere like Apple Podcasts where it allows you to leave a review, that would really help me out and make sure that we can reach more and more people with this podcast. So thank you so, so much. All right. Bye, everybody.